Hi, this is Jay Lee, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. It always... I winced when I did it. I winced, so I was a jerk. So. No, that's my name. That's my name. That's hilarious. <laughs> the nuclear vessel. I love it. <laughs> and she's the Enterprise. Enterprise. That's so silly. <laughs> Those movies are great. Even the bad ones are great. Oh. I, well, yeah, what is God? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's... The... Intro. Don't go deep. You're right. Uh, yeah, no, you're not. You're not wrong. That's you're the danger wrong. zone. You mentioned Star Trek and the floodgates open. Remember, remember at two, master's thesis. Seriously, remember at two minutes fifty-seven seconds when Kirk looked at Spock with that that gleam in his eye. Oh, the chills! The chills you get. And always shall be. Yeah, yeah, that killed me. And uh-huh. we're here to kill you because That's this right. is Eleven O'clock Comics, episode seven hundred and seventy-three. And I'm Vince B. Or Vince B. Or Vince B. I am David A. Price. This is true. And spank me, Daddy, because I'm on soccer, Masuk. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to stop at spank me, Daddy, because right. that's enough for me. <laughs> but you're not Habram Safar Masuk or whatever the hell you said because you broke up a Habram little bit. Soccer robot. Yeah, you're Jason Wood, everybody. All together for this episode. We're going to try something a little different this go around. See if you like it. Let us know. Guess what it is. Yeah, leave a message in the comments. Thanks. Uh, like and subscribe. Check out our MySpace page. Yes. Re- remember, if you want to get your book skin and fast skin delivered straight to your door, there's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. One more time. DCBService.com, where you get your books. The ones you handpicked, delivered straight to your door. The specials are many, but I've plucked three. From Clover Press and the Library of American Comics, it's Terry and the Pirates, the Master Collection, Volume 1. I'm hot for this book. I know Dap is too. <laughs> Cover price is 120 bucks. It's a bit of an investment, but you pay good for the prime cuts, right? You're not going to pay $120 from DCBService.com. You are going to pay $84. That's 30% off. From Antarctic Press, we got Spectraman Heroes, number one of five, written by Hiroshi Kanatani and art by Kanatani and the great Matt Frank. You saw him over on the IDW Godzilla books. He's awesome. This will cost you $2.49. That's 50% off the $4.99 cover price. And last, but certainly not least, a twofer from Fantico and Feral House. Fantico is serving up Erie Publications, the complete covers, the whole bloody mess, two flavors, hardcover and softcover. Softcover is going to cost you $41.97. Softcover will cost you $27.97. They're both 30% off. And, wouldn't you know it, there's a companion volume over at Feral House called The Ear- the Weird World of Eerie Publications. Uh, all I have to do is say Stephen Bissett, and you're like, okay, sign me up. But Mike Howlett is also involved. This is a 340-page hardcover cover price, 
$32.95. No siree, Bob's your uncle. You are going to pay $24.71. That's 25% off. DCBService.com. Do not mind late orders or order additions. And ding dong, your books are here. You can answer the door in your pajamas. And they will give you a box of books. I don't think it gets any better than that. Just go over there and take a look around. DCBService.com. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I trimmed it down a little bit for this week. <laughs> it was a little bloated last week. I agree. Jason well, took a nap I mean, during the middle of it, but whatever. You were excited, and it was, you had to let everybody know about the greatness that right. not to sleep on. Sure. Terry and the Pirates. We've got twelve volumes coming over four years, so it's 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 something to take note of. And yes, yeah. and, and um, I decided to bite the bullet, and I'm, I'm going to make space, and I am lo- really looking forward to it. Yes, I think it's an essential purchase. Anyone who doesn't buy into it is a chump, a sucker. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, it, it's definitely it, it's something we'll talk about in March when it comes out. Yeah, but it's it's something that. It's it's I think it's going to tick off a lot of boxes for a lot of people. Whether you like fantastic art, whether you like a, an intriguing story, whether you want to pay respect to the comic strips of of old and, yeah. and history because of what what was going on in the world during the time that strip was being printed published, it was yeah, get it. It's pulpy as shit too. So Jason should be peeling them oh, them dollar all, bills. All of them. Let me add it to my order because I nice. haven't submitted yet. Yeah, nice. I'm waiting for your guys. Uh, I'm waiting for your previous videos before I finalize. Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. I'm going to do mine tonight after yeah. we're done here. Yeah, nice. me too. Me too. I got all this. I, I I got the images. I've got the screen caps, the pages from, from digital images. So we should be able to encourage you. And, and in case you're wondering about what the heck, as usual, Jason's talking about, we do preview videos for our patrons. Mm-hmm. Patron.com forward slash patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics lots of stuff going on there and we usually tease it but the average joe can't really see it because unless you're a patron you just get a hint of what's going on but this month and only this month it's open to everyone it's like your mom and you can see (laughs) wow (laughs) you can see everything that's going down so go over there take a look around we hope to have you we love you Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. I have a drink this week. And what would that be? Well, I was sent to the liquor store to pick up a bottle of wine because my wife had someone in the, the, the company, whatever, who likes wine. So she's like, go pick me up a bottle of wine. And far be it from me to enter that place without leaving with something for myself. So I picked up a bottle of Apothic Crush. Soft red Ooh. blend. Yeah, it's velvety and smooth from 2019. It's, sweet. it's a little sweet. Yeah. yeah. But the thing was, I, I bought the uh, target of the gift exchange, a bottle of Apothic Inferno. And this person was giddy because it is their favorite wine of all time. And how did he know? Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Wait, why are you saying "Oh my God"? You t- are you because it's apothic and it's like ten bucks. A I mean, I mean, for someone's favorite wine of all time to be apothic is like they haven't they haven't ventured out too often. Is what I mean, and I agree with that. It, it is really good, and if it's really what you're kind of used to, that's fine. There are 
I don't want to say they're better wines. It, it's, well, it's definitely a good wine, but everybody likes what they like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like, right. Like, like, like a McDonald's Whopper. I mean, there's billions oh, sold. Oh God, it's sacrilege, crazy. blasphemy! McDonald's Whopper. No, no, you, it's, it's exactly analogous. A McDonald's Whopper, billions sold. People eat them ravenously every day. He still doesn't uh, get it. Presumably, they're good, but. Uh, never had one myself, but but <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, anyone that's ever had a really good burger knows that even if you love yourself a Whopper, it's not the best burger. You've ever had. Yeah, and, and then if you did actually go to McDonald's and order a Whopper, you wouldn't get one anyway because Burger King's Whopper. Yeah, oh, that's right, Big that's Mac. why yeah, I Jerry. said Big Mac blasphemy bad, here. No, that's all right. Point still stands. It, it does. Stands. You're right. Now, the, the, did they not have the Apothic Brew? I didn't spend that much time in there looking. Okay. Now, I was, the Inferno, I, I respect the Inferno. It's probably my favorite of the Apothics because it is the one that's aged in the whiskey barrels. Exactly, and I love it. Yeah. And I don't care yeah. if it's basic. I like it a lot. Well, there's nothing wrong with liking it as basic. basic. It, it's just the, it, you, you it's the proclamation the that it is. one they've ever yeah. had, like, or the favorite. Like, that's, you know, I mean. Well, I mean, I'm guessing that the only other one they've had is the Carlo Rossi and the Big Ass Jug. Right. Well, my palate is analogous to a CB radio, so <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, taking what, what I can get. Jason? Well, I am uh, almost finished here because we've been doing a little, little pregame chat, uh, a delicious cup of, uh, of my Virtuo Espresso coffee. Nice. And uh, after that, I'm yet to open, but we'll be drinking while we chat comics, uh, a uh, G zero, orange flavored. Oh, nice! Vinny likes that. Love it. Yeah, love it. Gets yeah. his electrolytes back after a nice long ride. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> well, no, I'm not being silly. Whenever he comes I back, yeah. Whenever he comes home from the gym, he's like, "Oh, I need my electrolytes." I'm like, "Okay, whatever." That's to that's to recharge that battery, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, what you got, Dap? Uh, I am. Um... I'm enjoying the uh, I, the big ass cube and splash of soda with uh, some blackened by uh, Master Distillers Metallica. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're in partner with with an actual distiller. I mean, someone who knows what they're doing. But yes, this is uh, yeah. the, the, the partner with Metallica, and it's it is it's it's um I like it. It it's not it's it, it it's a little. I want to say stronger than like something like Tin Cup, which I also enjoy, but it's not like you know my my favorite like Mictors or or the Clyde Mace, but it's it's good. I'm I'm enjoying it tonight. You have to say blackened. Duh. You can't just say blackened. Sorry. <laughs> you got it. Well, just make sure you 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 put uh, you know some 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 Hetfield riffs behind me when I say it. I could do that. I know you could. I could do that. And you yeah. know it'll be less than ten seconds, so we're in the clear. Their stuff is harder to play than you may think. They're quite good. They're, they're, they're good. All right. So we are gathered here today, my friends, to talk about some comics. And we're going to do that. If somebody would only step up to the microphone and do it. Ooh. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to because uh, I introduced myself as Leopold von Sakarmasuk. Sakarmasuk. And I'm... I'm disappointed that Vince keeps mocking the name. I thought you would—you of all people would know the name. Well, um, 
It's not ringing any bells. I mean, well, yes, it is. Look, no, yeah. Pur- purient behavior, so. Wait, Leopold, that's, is that from League? No. What's yeah. that from? Uh, Leopold von Sacher-Masek is uh, a German novelist uh, from the 19th century uh, who wrote dozens of, at the time, extremely popular novels. But uh, but ah. he is best known these days for his predilection, which became known uh, after it was discovered as masochism. Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, you his last this? name is Vaughn, V-O-N, soccer, S-A-C-H-E-R dash M-A-S-O-C-H, hence masochism. He didn't coin the term. In fact, he hated the term. He hated that he became uh, known as uh, the nom de guerre of 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 this type of pleasure but i assume most of our listeners being uh unless you get the children in the room and you should never have the children in the room no, listening to our show. not a good but, idea but if you but i'm assuming if you're not a child listening to this that you you know that masochism is um the other half of 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 you know there's sadism and there's masochism and i think the marquis de sade is well known as uh the namesake for sadism but i think because uh, BDSM is just a term now. A lot of people mistakenly assume when you talk about sadomasochism that it's just named after the Marquis de Sade. But de Sade was the proponent of sadism, which is deriving sexual pleasure from uh, inflicting pain or humiliation on someone else. Masochism is the mirror image of that, which is the tendency to derive pleasure, especially sexual pleasure, from one's own pain or humiliation. Hmm. Yes. And I'm bringing this all up because our good friends and, and certainly one of our collective favorite publishers, Fantagraphics, was kind enough to publish a graphic novel this past month. Uh, well, I should say bring over a French graphic novel and translate it um, called Man in Furs. Is this creep Packs? No, 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 no. No, it's, no, hmm. it's, it's modern. Um, it was uh, written by Catherine Sauvat and drawn by Anne Simon. Uh, and uh, it is a graphic novel depicting the formative moments of Leopold's life. Um, now, the book is called Man in Furs, which is a play on his really only breakthrough famous novel called Venus in Furs. And that's ah. where this this idea of masochism came to be, because the story was about um, a, uh, a, a, a nobleman, a German nobleman, or maybe Austrian, but but uh, but in that area, nobleman who um, longed for a consort that he called Wanda, and uh, Wanda was uh, someone who he wanted to regale with the finest furs, and he wanted her to wear them, and also wanted her to uh, basically dominate him to be a dom, before the term existed, but but what we would now know as a dom, and um. As that life took hold and the novel became popular, um, people began realizing that it was not just a story, but something that Leopold very much practiced. And another um, German, or Austrian, it is Austrian, another Austrian nobleman of the time uh, became fascinated with, with, with the whole situation and coined the term masochism when he would do uh, educational uh, lectures about about the the practice and uh, and that's how the term came to be. But but the graphic novel is really focused on Leopold and his journey from uh, meeting Wanda and being dominated and how he 
very much adored it, but also they had rules where there was no uh, disrespect or humiliation in public. Uh, and his Wanda eventually leaves him for um, another man who at first is brought in by Leopold as, as a part of the, the whole thing, because it was pleasurable for him to see her basically, you know, cuck him, but she ends up falling for him and leaving him entirely. And, uh, and he meets another woman who's, pretty plain vanilla and gives up the lifestyle for a long time, but then ultimately gets drawn back into it. Um, and he has a lot of, of, of rises and falls because, as I said, he was a very popular novelist of the time, but wasn't making a ton of money. And then this book hit and it became a huge hit commercially global and global. You know, was, I think it's his only novel that was ever translated to English. And uh, and he, he became quite wealthy. But his Wanda, who had left him, who was his legal wife, began racking up huge debt in his name. And almost drove him into the into debtor's prison, but uh, but he had a, another. It was like a phoenix rising from the ashes. He had a, another triumphant comeback, uh, in part because of the lecture circuit and people understanding that now it wasn't just a, a story he was telling, but a, li- a life choice. Uh, and yeah, and and it's um it's a small it's a pretty small graphic novel. I think it's like 150 pages. Uh, the art uh, by Ann Simon is uh, very much. It's a simple style. It's 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 pretty linear line weight stuff, mostly black line blend ink or or red ink. Um, and very rarely does does she mix the colors. Um, and it's kind of done like a pastiche where uh, there, there's no grids, there's no panels, but but there's sometimes one, sometimes three, sometimes five different images kind of drawn more like uh like little like sunday circular comic strips where you get just the one scene and it tells a story um and and i think i was trying to think who to compare rice's art to uh and maybe because it's from fanta the the thing that most it most reminded most reminded me of was was richard sala but but not like sala is capable of a lot more or at least she's shown a lot more in, in terms of using color play and 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 fully rendering things this is much more wispy but uh, but still, I thought the facial features and the the anatomy and the the the, the pointiness of the body type was 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 evocative of Dala. So so that's the the mental picture I want people to to take in with them. But I thought it was a delight. You know, I I, um, I had had a streak there where I was reading a lot of these European imports uh, that uh, just weren't hitting for me. And and this this and a few others, uh, which maybe we'll have time to or not tonight to get to, uh, have really put it back on track. And so uh, I, I salute. Uh, Miss Savat and Miss Simon for this book, and definitely think anybody that's uh, curious about, you know, um, whether well, if you just, if you like biographical comics in general, this is not a very purient book. Like there is not a ton of of uh, there's really no nudity in the book. There's no there's no uh, when people think of BDSM, they they obviously you can you can go pretty deep in terms of how. Um, how provocative you are, uh, in, in when you, when you're rendering that kind of idea. And this is not that because this is the very beginnings of what we now know as BDSM. So it's, 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 it's very tame, you know, a picture like in a, a Renaissance Elizabethan kind of, kind of per projection of, of masochism. Um, so, so pretty tame, um, definitely not going to curl your toes, good, bad, or different on that. But, uh, but I thought it was very well executed, quick, easy read, love the art style. And, uh, and, one of the cool things is it totally educated me. I, I knew nothing about this whole... I knew nothing about Leopold. I didn't know that's who it was named for. I didn't know about his life. Didn't know that it was... Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of it. So I, I'm, I came away smarter and, uh, and another uh, few arrows in the trivia quiver for if I ever need to 
uh, be able to pull this from the archives. So definitely recommend it, man. Man in Furs. Kudos to Fantagraphics. See, awesome. you say Venus and Furs, and two things immediately come to mind. Jess Franco's movie with my man Klaus Kinski. Oh, what a good movie. And Is it about this? It's it's an erotic thriller. There's some Well, it's Jess Franco. So there's there's it's rough. It's a little rough, but it's not I mean, there's no ball gags in it, you know, that kind of stuff. Um it was made in like sixty eight or sixty nine, but it's Jess Franco, so it's it's dirty. Um and whenever you say Venus and Furs, I also think of the Velvet Underground because their song Venus and Furs is a masterpiece. So uh, both relating to the same thing, um, sadism, um, masochism. So yeah, I didn't order this, but it looks like I may now. Nice. I, I'm looking now that you're saying it. There have been a lot of movies made uh, about Venus and Furs. There was a 65 film by Piero Hel. Helixer. Yeah. There was a 67 film by Marzano, then the Franco film, like you said, in 69. There was also another film in 69 in Italy by Massimo D'Alamano. Um, there was one in 95, one in 2010, a Korean version in 2012, and a French version in 2013. Oh, and that's uh, that's Rowan Polanski directed that. Nice. Well, yeah. Well, not watch, nice, watch him. Yeah. Well, no, he's he's still good. Whatever. He is talented. That's yeah. Um, I think the uh, watch them all, but the one that's that speaks to me is the Franco. I love Dirty Uncle Jess. He's great. Nice. Yeah. Well, we may have a Fanographics Orama before Ooh, the end of this. Definitely. I love me some Fanographics Orama. Fanographics Orama. Yep. And if you're listening for the first time, whenever we talk um, about things and one or, well, more than one of us settles on the same publisher, we like to set it off by doing an O-Rama. So if we talked about, if I talk about Fantagraphics and Jason and David, then we definitely have a Fantagraphics O-Rama. But sometimes David and I will talk about Dark Horse, and we'll have a Dark Horse Orama, or Jason and David will talk about Image, and then we'll have an Image Orama. So, yeah, it's just a way to highlight multiple comments on different and it, and publishers' not, stuff. And, and it's not just publishers, because if we were talking about uh, uh, Sleeper and Scene of the Crime and Criminal, we'd have a Brubaker Orama. Or a Pulp Orama. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that just makes Jason's heart sing like a nightingale. Like he can't get enough of it. No, so uh, it. But speaking of Fantagraphics, since Jason opened that door, um, this this goes back a bit uh, because I've had it in my possession for for a long while. I think I either picked it up at a New York or a Heroes. I'm I'm partial to to New York because I think I got it from that guy who's got all the magazines that we always stop at. Um, and his name escapes me right now, Vince. Not Jason. Who the hell is it? Yeah, Patrick. Who's the guy with all the all, all the magazines? That's Jason. Uh, it is okay. Yeah. Um, this is something that was. I became aware of this character thanks to the four pages in the first issue of Anything Goes, the 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 benefit anthology published by Fantagraphics, um, because Fantagraphics and Gary Groth were getting sued. So. The character's name is Savage, and this 
book by Faith the Graphics, this magazine, is a reprint of uh, the 1968 story, the first issue titled His Name Is, ellipses, Savage, all with an exclamation point. Um, and once I became aware of Savage, I... And, and and the reason I was drawn to it is because it was a character. The story was drawn by Gil Kane. So right there, full stop, I'm done. Um, but when I read Anything Goes, and, and the last panel said, you know, get ready for the return of, of, of Savage or stay tuned for, for more Savage stories, um, That those stories never materialized. Um, and then I found this magazine, um, and I realized it was a reprint from the 1968 story. Um, and it's the only one, only the first issue was published. And, and, um, I found out after doing some digging that Savage was created. Gil Kane decided to do this story, to publish this story himself after he um he basically he 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 told national at the time the, the the national dc comics used to be known as national um he told national that he's he's done he's he's he's, he's gonna go do something else so he left green lantern so this is right before uh hard traveling heroes he, he leaves dc and he creates um Adventure House Press for the sole purpose to publish this magazine. Um, and the uh, he 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 goes to um, he asks a couple people to to kind of write the story that he's drawing, um, and he settles on he doesn't settle on, but th- th- there was one person he did ask a writer she wanted to give it to she wanted someone else to start she wanted ted white to kind of outline the story and then she would go back and and fine-tune it um but i don't think uh ted was doing what according to gil kane uh ted's story was a little on the lackluster side it wasn't he didn't get the character um so it wasn't working so gil went to archie goodwin and and archie goodwin wrote it under a pen name and what was interesting about the story, it's um, it's violent, and and it was violent at the time. But um, we're we're we start off like right in at the beginning of uh, right right in the thick of it, and there's parts of it that that that's kind of James Bondish, uh, but the influence aside from the whole espionage angle is um, is is Donald Westlake. He basically Savage is kind of modeled after Walker. Lee Marvin played is modeled after Lee Marvin, who played Walker in point blank back when uh, Westlake wasn't giving up the rights. Nobody could call their character Parker also see payback. Um, so Savage is somebody who is, he, he's an intimidating figure. Um, you know, it, it basically the kind of guy that uh, you know men are envious of, women want to be with, and um, but when we're introduced to the character, he's 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 in a jail cell, um, 
and he's he's been there for a while because he he's committed crimes. Uh, he gets he gets freed. He gets his release papers um, by someone known as by by a a group um, known as the uh, the committee, and they um, they they get him freed. He, um, but before he, he, he leaves the prison, uh, the, the, uh, the, the head of the guards wanted to make a, a, an example out of, out of Savage. And, and that didn't go well for the guy. Um, he ends up eating his gun and, uh, losing some teeth in the process. And, um, Savage leaves, heads to New York meets with the committee and this is a, an organization that uh, it's, it's the highest priority intelligence group uh, not listed on any government record, not included in any budget, uh, no official name or designation. It's responsible only to the president of the United States. And to give you an idea that the, and this reprint is from, from um, 1982. Um, the president in question in this story is Lyndon B. Johnson. And, and he makes the appearance, makes an appearance in the story. Um, the big bad, the reason why Savage was released is because General Mace, who's basically kind of looks like Deathlock, he's, he's a cyborg because he, uh, he and Savage go way back. Actually, he used to be Savage's commander in World War II. Um, they, uh, they worked really well together. They, they, when the war was over, they had assignments together. Um, but Mace was going a little mad, and uh, and and Savage was also kind of spitting with Mace's daughter Sheila. Um, there was a, a grenade had gone off. Savage gets away, but it also kind of blew up, kind of half of Mace. So now he's 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 a cyborg, um, which is where the fantastical kind of comes instead of it just being a straightforward revenge story or you know guys with guns now we get a little bit of the the james bondy kind of kind of feel um but he's savage has he's he's laser focused he has tunnel vision he's going to get the job done uh in the story he finds his way back to sheila briefly um there is a, as far as we can tell, a final battle between Savage and Mace. Um, but without spoiling anything, not that I mean, listen, the story's decades old. You can, if if there are probably some sites, I think we might have some images for the gallery. But uh, there, there, I know that uh, there are a couple of blogs that have actual pages from the from the story so i mean you could definitely read it if, if you want to but it's um it's it's one of those things where this the, the way the story is broke it, it's very um while gill draws everything there are captions above all the panels so so archie is is telling the story there are some instances where uh there's some redundancies going on Gil draws exactly what, uh, or Archie writes exactly what Gil had drawn in the panel. So, um, it can be a quick read in that regard. Uh, a lot of detail. The action is great. 
but um, what was entertaining as far as this reprint goes are the interviews in the back of the magazine. Uh, there's an interview with Groth. Um, there's there's an interview with Will Eisner and members on the Slack uh, get to see that uh, that interview and the um, the what in, in finding out more about Gil Kane's reason for doing Savage and um, and and the trials and tribulations of of making it happen, um, the first. The first issue, and again, the only issue, the painted cover by Robert Foster is pretty much Lee Marvin. That, that, that's exactly who he painted on the cover. That's who Savage is. And apparently Lee Marvin was never aware of this. Nothing was ever mentioned about it. If, if And, and Gil figures he's never seen it because um, nobody read the damn thing, according to to Gil Kane. So um, there was never a concern with that. However, the, there was a new cover for the reprint because... Fantagraphics, of course, didn't want the living actor to uh, to be on the cover of a magazine. Um, but you know, since this is this was in the the late sixties, um, and and came you know already being uh, an established artist, um, co created the Silver Age versions of of a couple of characters for DC, um, and of course he, he was an advocate of uh, creators' rights. And, um, and this is during a time when, you know, royalties and ownership wasn't a thing. But um, in 63, Gil had set up a studio and uh, and for five years worked sporadically on Savage and a project that would become uh, something known as Black Mark. Um, and Savage was done from beginning to end in 30 days. And apparently the last page was inked at the printer while they were getting the book ready. Um, there were difficulties because a lot of the printers, whether people were, whether other publishers were making phone calls, but he, a couple of all the printers were like, yeah, 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 we got this. We'll, we'll print it. No problem. But you know, Spartan and one or two others were like, yeah, word got out that there was some, that the book was slightly pornographic and that's not the case at all. But uh, the, the printers, decided that uh, this would have been toxic, uh, didn't want to fuck with the comics code, so um, they kept passing on it. And and finally, there was a uh, th- there was a publisher that, uh, there was a printer who actually printed Ramparts, and, and they were fine with it. Uh, it was planned as a continuing series. Gil had um, he, he, he had uh, had the cover art for issues two and three, but the first issue was the only one done. Marvel Comics published a first uh, published the Spectacular Spider-Man magazine in the same format as Savage, um, uh, also the same size, same format as Creepy and Eerie. Um, the magazines cost thirty-five cents, whereas you know, a typical comic book would be twenty-five cents uh, or double size rather. But um, so it was kind of a innovator in that respect as well. And apparently dark horse was planning on publishing a savage limited series scripted by Stephen Grant. Um, but of course those plans fell, uh, failed to materialize once, um, Gil passed away. And, uh, at the end of January in, um, 
in 2000. But getting back to the interviews in this particular magazine, um, we find things out that uh, Gil's a big fan of the Marvel method. He he says that there's something where he he says it's it's um it's absolutely says this to Will Eisner that um he 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 finds he's rarely in agreement with a writer. In fact, it's ridiculous that the first one to approach a white unmarked page is the writer and not the artist, or that he makes all the determinations on how the page is cut up and everything else. So, um, an artist, artist, as far as I'm concerned, but he, um, he just, he had an approach the things he wanted to do. He talks about how, uh, national kind of limited him to the type of action in, in a story that, uh, you know, he wanted things to be choreographed and, and really wanted to, showcase the fight scenes and, and focus on the action. But, you know, as the story moves along, he's getting, you know, he's like, you can only have one panel for this. And, and, and so he was, he wasn't really jiving with the, with that relationship. So yeah, so he wanted to do his own thing. Um, and I think the world is better for it, but this was, this was an absolute blast. I, I think, you know, yeah, it's, it's a bit, parts of it are dated. Like when you see Linda B. Johnson, but, uh, as far as the story itself, this the characters could have been the rest of the characters, the protagonist, the antagonist. They would have fit in any in any time. But um, no, I think I, I if I ever get my hands on the original first issue, and again, uh, about two hundred thousand copies were printed, but only twenty thousand made it to the newsstands. And so many newsstands also just turned around and shipped it right back to get credit. So, so there aren't a hell of a lot out there, I believe. Um, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on one if I see it. I, I would uh, love to just check it out. But it was, um, yeah, it's 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 a you know forty odd, forty eight, forty seven. 40 something page story so it's not it again it, it, it's not lengthy it's magazine size so it's not necessarily a graphic novel um but it was um it's the typical gil Kane art and 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 you can kind of see this is where the art in this in this story is kind of it, fittingly is pretty much that bridge is is that um what you used to see from his dc work whether he was drawing green lantern or adam uh right before he went to Marvel in the seventies and, and gave us all those covers and, and amazing Spider-Man. And, and it was, you know, it, this was, he was growing and, and being able to tell his own story, drawing it out, giving it to Archie to, to script. Um, he kind of just really came into his own and, and, and whereas he felt he was limited at DC, um, he, uh, by doing this, we end up getting the the Gil Kane that I think more of us, most of us are, are, are familiar with as far as what we see. But um, so the story the story was wild, man. It it it's really cool. Like I said, I think I got I, I was more entertained by by the two interviews in the back. But I thought um, just seeing Gil kind of just draw some violence and car chases and. Uh, I mean, the man says he even loves to draw horses because he, and there's no horses in this particular story, but he loves, you know, he loves seeing things flow. He loves the action of things. And, um, and it's, it's great because I always appreciate how 
flowy. Uh, how how you know you look at a Gil Kane drawing and and yeah, it you can hear or feel the air moving around the the character on 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 the page. It's he's he's absolutely hands down one of my favorite people that, that, that that's ever drawn comics and and uh, this is. This was just something that I, again, thanks to Anything Goes, I became aware that he did this. Uh, but I just didn't know all of the history behind why Savage exists and uh, and what he had to do to, to bring it to us. But thank you, Fantagraphics, for reprinting this so I could finally read it. It's a good little book, but like it was shocking to me when I first read it because it's like Peckinpah violent. And yes. there's and there's titties in it, and I and I think it was the first time I saw a Gil Kane titty. I'd like to see a Gil Kane titty. I need to get on this. Um, he draws beautiful women, but he draws titties like like rocket tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're guess, a bit pointy. The time where everybody, yeah. Yeah, everybody had the torpedo bras, and yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'm just going to cap off this episode with a Fantagraphics book. I mean, why the hell not? I received it uh, Monday and I put my life on hold until I finished it because when I get my hands on some Popeye I'm done I can't say no as you would expect it's written and illustrated by Elsie's Chrysler Seeger published by Fantagraphics the title's long and there's a lot of colons it's Popeye, the E.C. Seeger Popeye Sundays, Volume 1, Olive Oil and Her Sweetie. <laughs> now, um, buyer beware, because if you own the six-volume oversized die-cut cover Fanographics Popeye set, you really don't need to buy this. Because all of this stuff, with the exception of two homage strips in the front. One by Sergio Poncione and the second by Kathy Malkazian. So there's two really nifty, um, touching, heartfelt Popeye strips done in homage to E.C. Seeger's work. They're not in the oversized Popeye set, but everything else in this book is. I think it's in volume one, and there, there may be a little spillage into volume two. So if you have that set, you really don't need this. But I say the heck with that and buy it anyway, because the book design for this bad boy is amazing. It's not nearly the same size as the Popeye, the existing Popeye set. This is, um, it's, it's a, a landscape format. Uh, I don't know the dimensions, but the cool thing about it is it's slipcased. And the slipcase is, the slipcase is square and of course die cut. Because if you set a precedent with the previous Popeye set, you gotta continue with this one. It's die cut and the soft cover volume slides into the hardbound slipcase. It's a really, really neat design. Um, striking actually. So, I mean, if you saw it, it would instantly hit you. Like, wow, that's some pretty cool design. So half the size, I would say, less than half the size of the existing set. But the strips 
are the exact same strips. Um, one would almost assume that they shot them from the same plates, but that's not a thing anymore, right? They probably just scaled down the existing um, InDesign document or whatever they used to, to lay out the first set, and they're the exact same strips. So there you go. I loved it. I thought it's just a reminder at the magnitude of E.C. Seeger's cartooning. Not only cartooning. I don't want to short shrift him on the writing. Popeye is pretty much, I mean, we all talk about how there's nothing perfect in art. And I totally agree with that. But if there was a perfect comic strip, it would be Popeye for me. Um, not only is Seeger an amazing cartoonist, and, and when, when one looks at his work, you can see traces of all the dudes that were inspired by Seeger. There's a shit ton of Seeger in Robert Crumb's work. Um, and, and you can go down the line. All the really, really great Tom Neely, of course, that's a, a no-brainer because he did stuff for the... Uh, for the IDW Popeye series, but th there's there's just an amazing amount. Even Spiegelman, there's traces of of Seeger's work in Spiegelman stuff, and I just think it's it's amazing to revisit these strips. Yes, I read them once before, but so what? I read them again. It's only 106 pages, but the perfection of Seeger's character construction is amazing because all of the characters have a thing. They're defined by a thing, and they do not waver. They always do the thing, right? And with Popeye, the thing is his temper. Like, he, he's a scrapper. He likes to fight, right? And, and all of the stories, they are based on Popeye's, in some way or other, they're based on Popeye's hair-trigger temper. So it's... Seeger fleshes out these remarkable characters and just kind of like takes the leash off. Um, and that's a good word to use in regard to Popeye and Olive and like the Thimble Theater characters because they're so damn simple. Th like they have their thing. You know, Popeye says, I am what I am and that's all that I am. And that's completely true of Popeye. He is amazingly... He's got laser beam focus on who he is and what he does. He doesn't, there's no pretense with Popeye. He's not an incredibly intelligent person, but he has intuition where others don't. And that's the, that's the thing that you have the, the, the hair trigger temper, right? But then Seeger goes in and fleshes it out with, he adds to the mission statement, right? And the characters almost do the work for him once he lets them go in these little mundane scenarios. Like, there's no real great shakes to the storyline. Um, Castor Oil, who's, who's Olive's brother, and um, this, this stupid rich old man named Mr. Kilp, they decide to make Popeye a, a boxer, a prize fighter, because the guy fights like nobody else. So... It doesn't work out because Popeye's continually fighting. Like if, if he feels slighted in any way, 
he'll beat the crap out of you. So he gets in trouble with the law. They, they throw him in jail. And he busts out of the, the jail. And he comes and goes as he pleases. But he always goes back to the jail. And he puts up a, a tapestry over the hole that he busted in the wall. So nobody knows that he can get out. He freed himself from jail. But he goes back. Because that's the right thing to do. Because he made a mistake in fighting in public. He beat up a cop, beat up a bunch of people. And they brought him in, and he busted out, but he went back because he transgressed, and he has to. He feels like he has to serve the time, right? That's noble. Like, if you could bust out of jail at any time and you don't do it, well, you do it, but you go back because you know that that's where you're supposed to be. That's a noble thing. But So they try and make him a prize fighter, and it, and it doesn't work out at all because Popeye's true to himself. He fights if... if um, somebody considers him a lummox, he gets mad and he fights him. If somebody's macking on olive oil, and there's an endless stream of dudes that want to get with olive oil. I don't understand it. I never did, but they're there. And um, Popeye just kicks the crap out of all of them. And he always promises, I won't fight anymore. I won't do it. And it never comes true because he that's who he is. He's a fighter. Um and uh, so, so these two olive oil's brother and this rich guy try and make Popeye a prize fighter, and he screws up all the time and loses them a ton of money. So they're like, "The heck with you! We don't want to manage you anymore. You just get out of here." And they manage other fighters, but Popeye ends up in the ring fighting their other fighters. So they lose a shit ton of money. Millions of dollars. They bet against Popeye. They bet on Popeye. And it doesn't work out because he doesn't fight the guy because it's a good friend of his. And so Popeye defies expectations at every turn, right? So one note, not so much. Because yes, Popeye is a, a, a hothead and fights. But there's more to Popeye. Because he loves olive oil. Even though she kicks him around, calls him a dumbass, never wants to see him again. It's on and off. It's on and off. He loves the hell out of her. And he also loves children because this is the subtle way in which Seeger gets the character development in there. Popeye was abandoned as a child and and says so in the strip. Like, I never knew me, mommy. You know, I never had a family and doesn't consider himself having any friends either. But the children, because Popeye's so strong and he can kick anybody's butt, the kids glom onto him like, oh, man, Popeye, you're the greatest. You can take anybody. And uh, so the kids are his friends, and he does ridiculous things for the kids. He wins a couple fights and makes thousands of dollars. Now, we're talking 1930-something. Thousands of dollars was a lot of money in that time. Popeye won, like, say, $5,000 on a fight. And he's like, oh, Olive, we can get married now. She's like, great, we'll get married. We'll buy a house. We can go do it. But on the way to go buy the house, Popeye encounters a woman with children starving in the street. So he gives her the money to feed her kids and buy a house because her husband's an abusive person. And there's, there's more than one instance like that in the book where people are hungry. It was the time of the Depression, right? People were hungry, so Popeye just gives his money away. And, and he has a, a penchant for shooting craps, too. So he lost some. <laughs>
doing that. But but so he's altruistic too, to a fault, right? And uh, it's it's just layer upon layer. But the thing that defines Popeye is his hair trigger temper, and all of these stories kind of spiral out of that and it's just an amazing freaking thing to witness there, there's a success a succession of fighters in this thing popeye beats them all even the ones that come into the the ring and they have like um a legend behind them like oh this guy's never want to fight there's no way you're ever going to beat him popeye kicks his butt right at one point he fights a gorilla a freaking gorilla he fights him and the gorilla can't even stand up against Papa. He beats him. Um, the spinach shows up on the last page. There's almost no spinach. They mention spinach. Like Popeye tells the kids at one point, like, oh, eat your spinach. But the the traditional Popeye spinach makes them stronger. That only appears on the last page. So you're talking the end or the tail end of this roughly three-year run. So it's not... And, and there's there, Wimpy appears in it, but the rest of the characters that you know would later come to be associated with Popeye, they're not in it yet. This is the fallout from a ten-year run on Thimble Theater, because E.C. Seeger introduced Popeye as you know just another character, and he took over the strip. So th- after ten years, Thimble Theater was gone, and it, the title of the strip was changed to Popeye. That's how powerful. Popeye is. It's just an amazing book, and Fantagraphics does, well, they do proud by it, as they always do, right? I mean, it's a great volume. It's inexpensive, full color. I think it's 20, let me see the back of this thing. It's $24.99, right? Just great, super cartooning, awesome stories. You can read it, and, and you know, there's not a heavy, lot of heavy lifting. It's, do I have to say, you don't even have to describe Popeye. All I have to say is Popeye, and you're like, ah, I get it. I get it. That character Robin Williams played in that masterpiece movie. Right? What I need you to do is package that book up. My birthday's on Sunday. <laughs> Priority shipping. Uh, you can't have mine, but I will send you a copy. All right. You heard it here, yeah. folks. You heard it here. Testimonial. If no, no, I'm not kidding. There's no bullshit here. If you read it, I'll send it to you. I I will. Of course, s- I'd read it. Well, you know, you you say that, and and you 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 like to placate me, but what the ah, the chance of you reading Popeye would make my freaking heart explode. Like, forget about three sizes sizes larger. It would do. It would be a thousand sizes. My heart would come out my throat. Dude, I will read Popeye. I, I have nothing against Popeye. In fact, I feel like I, I I need to I need to be more up on Popeye. All right, then you're getting Popeye for your birthday. <clears throat> nice. Aww. And I'm with you because fucking olive oil. I mean, talk about giving into the stereotype of, of of white dudes liking women with no curves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, olives. She's another. Shelley Duvall was. Uh, Ah, oh, she played her great. I think I mean, Shelly... she was a, was a really well perfect. cast, yeah. Yeah, amazing. But the thing about olive oil, she's like, "Oh, Popeye, I don't want you to fight. Stop it. You're you're a brute. You're you're a uh, an ape man. People, civilized people, don't do this." But as soon as a woman, and there are very few, as soon as a woman eyes up Popeye, 
she does the same thing. She punches the crap out of them. So it's just like it's like do as I say, not as I do. Um, another thing, you get to see the evolution of Popeye in this book because it's the start of the Popeye proper run. The design wasn't 100% initially. And Popeye, he looked like a, a droopy pelican, like his face, like his was sagging over his mouth. But later on... Seeger refines Popeye to the character, more or less, the character we all know and love. Yeah. So you get to see progression, development. It's amazing. Just get it. And Jason will have it for his birthday. I know we've talked about this on the show before, although it's been years, but uh, we all were in consensus back then that uh, the Robin Williams movie is is like one of the most underrated films ever. Like, oh, it, it, no doubt. It, no it doubt. is ridiculed and, and was a humongous flop they spent a fortune on it and it did terribly but i i remember watching as a kid on hbo and, and absolutely yep. thought it was fantastic it's yeah, a it. it's a stone cold masterpiece yeah yep altman's great but i think that's his crowning achievement i i know that may be heresy to altman fans but that movie is just it sparkles it's so brilliant on every level and when i saw it i was like i can't understand what robin williams is saying well apparently <laughs> neither could the audio devices because he had to go back in later on and overdub his his uh dialogue because he mumbled most of the time yeah it's just mm -hmm. it, it's phenomenal but um i think we should stick a pin in it right here let's just pause for what say a couple days and there's more miles in this, right? I think, I think. So um, if you would be so kind, remember, be kind to yourself because you're going to save money. Just go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a mere fraction of what everybody else is paying. Write these down. Clover Press and the Library of American Comics, Terry and the Pirates, the Master Collection, Volume 1 is... Wow, 30% off, 84 bucks. Number two, Spectrum Man Heroes, number one of five from Antarctic will cost you $2.49. That's 50% off. And from Fantico Enterprises and Feral House, Eerie Publications, the complete covers, the whole bloody mess, and the weird world of Eerie. It's hard to come off that one title into this next one. The weird world of Eerie Publications hardcover will cost you, depending on the the flavor will cost you $41.97, $27.97, or $24.71. This is an experiment. Remember, we love you people. Tell them you'll be right back. We'll be right back. That's it for that one. <laughs>